Hey everybody, welcome back to the Speak Out Loud podcast. We welcome. are so glad you're joining us again and uh, we are really excited today because we are continuing on with a series that we've started. The last several episodes have, have been focused on this topic and today we've invited two really special friends, mm-hmm. but special friends to speak out loud in particular. Mm-hmm. And those of you that have been longtime listeners to the podcast are going to recognize them and have listened to to them and the episodes we've had a chance to do with them. And so we are thrilled today that Phoebe Barron and Brenda Elledge are joining us. Yes. And uh, Phoebe from, from our hometown of Oklahoma City, Brenda from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And we just couldn't be more excited to have these two what we really feel like are certainly experts in their field, but also people that love the Lord that are striving to follow him and really have a heart for, for people, for mental health their spiritual life to bring them in to dive into this topic with us. Yeah. Well, it's just an honor to have y'all back. And one of the reasons why we trust y'all so much is we know that you've helped, you know, really shape our family as far as like being able to pour into us at different times when we needed it. And we really, really appreciate that won't go any confidential things, but at the same time, we just are, we've been blessed by y'all as well. Um, I was telling Phoebe a minute ago that Brenda was one in college who, you know, I was just leaving a bunch of trauma when I got to college and um, Brenda was somebody that I could call and we never roomed together, but we were always on the same hall and I could just reach out to her and we would have talks on the, our little twin size beds or um, out you know, where we knew we could have total privacy. And it's just been a blessing to see how God has just blessed, blessed, blessed her um, and her ability to not only be a great listening friend who pours in knowledge, but also now a professional. Also, we have Phoebe Barron. And Phoebe is just somebody that we have grown to love at church, like instantly. I would see this lady walking around. She had her cute haircut and everything and all of her kids in tow. And I was just like, and she always had people around her and has people around her. I was like, I want to know her. I do. And so with somebody, we got introduced and everything. And it's just um, been a sweet time getting to know Phoebe and Jeff and her just speaking to the lives of so many that we know personally from church. So Having said that, what are some things y'all want us to know about each of you in your personal life, professional life, either way? Thank you for saying sweet things, Stacey. It was Mm. always just, uh, you know, a joy and an easy thing for us to have a friendship. So I appreciate that friendship with both of you guys. Um, So we're entering in some of the new phases together of being in-laws, right? We had kids that got married, you know, this past year. So we're learning how to be in-laws and Mm -hmm. that new phase and that new adjustment. So that's fun. figuring out how to do that. Life is always changing and we're always Mm -hmm. figuring out how to go along with it and and do our best with that. Um, (laughs) But it's exciting for me here today too, to get to meet Phoebe Phoebe, because I like to listen to her podcast. I learn a lot. So I appreciate being able to be here with her today too. Right now, my extra time is just filled with school. So (laughs) I'm like, what, what am I doing besides taxing children around Oklahoma City and uh, like working and it's just, yeah, being back in school and doing my doctorate, uh, in spiritual formation. And so, uh, I'm excited to like start kind of gaining a vision of like kind of the topic that we're talking about today of like, how can we integrate like the good parts of psychology into our formation as people who want to be more like Jesus. And Brenda, you did, you became a doctor, what, about a year, year and a half ago. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. Christmas was two years. 
and okay, uh, and Phoebe, you know, it'll be worth it. And then you'll go into recovery mode because you'll be like, oh, I'm free. Yeah, this is yeah. what freedom feels like. Yeah. So I remember after recovering. my master's. Yeah. Like after my master's, I was like, I don't want to read anything Mm-mm. for like two years. Mm-mm. I didn't read mm-hmm. books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I just read for fun. Yeah. I'm just yeah. like, is it a spy novel? Is it intrigue? I'm there. Anything else? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm still there. Uh, y'all are probably in the phase of life that I'm slightly jealous of, which is like, eventually, like you can peer not too far into your future and be like, there may be grandkids here. No pressure, children, no pressure. But I'm just saying, yeah, right. my daughter has already picked out my grandparent name because she's our dog's mother. So I am Fifi and I'm 100% here for it. Like I am ready to hear that from a human's mouth. Uh, So. Okay. So mine are expecting now. So they told us at Thanksgiving. (gasps) Yes. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So it's like I get to be, start to be this uh, mother-in-law and then also uh, adjust to being, you know, a grandma. So, but I've had my grandmother name picked out. I think Philip and I were just married. Yes. But we were at another <laughs> friend's wedding. And in the South, you guys know her, Dee Dee. In the South, Big Mama is a thing, right? So yeah. okay. I yeah. heard they were telling stories about Big Mama. And I went, oh, my word. I know what I'm going to be. So I'm Big Mama. <laughs> I love it. I okay. love it. A little bitty child. Yeah, I'm Big Mama. <laughs> it's going to be precious. Come here. Big Mama will help you. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I like it. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, and and for guests that may be new to the Speak Out Loud podcast, we certainly, as we've referred to, Phoebe and Brenda both have been guests numerous times with us, and we'd love for you to go back and listen to some of those episodes we've had a chance to record. You can go back through all 50 episodes and just find <laughs> a handful of those they've been a part of. We've had some wonderful discussions around anxiety Phoebe joined with us this time last year and just did a a really powerful episode diving deep in the topic of borderline personality disorder and really kind of turned the tables. We set it up that way, but uh, Phoebe interviewed, Stacy interviewed us, and and that's really had a huge impact. I know Brenda's joined with us several times to talk about when, when is it right? When should you? What are some things? What are some steps about seeking mental health treatment, about counseling? And also just about overall how to improve your mental health, how to invest in that. And Brenda has a a practice in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Phoebe has a practice here in greater Oklahoma City, both in the area of as counselors, as therapists. Brenda has a whole team of folks that are helping people all across the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so today we're also going at the end of this share their contact information, how you can find them online, uh, the name of their practice, and just so you can learn more about them. So today we are diving into a topic and we've had several guests join us to discuss. And really, I think the vision we've had for this is is what's been so hard for a lot of people in understanding, hey, how do I integrate? How can I integrate my faith? How does that integrate with my mental health journey? For those that maybe have received a a mental illness diagnosis, there can be a lot of challenges because I think a lot of times um, what we've discovered is that a lot of people kind of falls into one or two camps. One one side of that coin may be, hey, all you need and the messaging that, that people can receive, especially people that are within the context of Christian community, of church, is all you need is faith. 
Um, all you need are the spiritual disciplines, the practices, the trust, the faith in Jesus, in, in your relationship with God. And, and that should take care of all things mental health-wise. But then there's other, this other side of that same coin, I think, that a lot of people today, maybe because of, of some of the false promise of that, maybe just because they have rejected um, you know, faith itself or have struggled in that area, or they've been hurt by that before, have really siloed off and just said, well, my mental health has nothing to do with my faith. Or is, if they'll even consider faith in, in the reality of, of a relationship with God. And, and they feel like I'm just going to silo off those things in that part of my life and just pursue my mental health recovery isolated from those, from those other areas without integrating it. Um, and certainly I think we've said you can get, you can improve your mental health just like you can improve your physical health disconnected from anything spiritual, from a relationship with God. But I think that we believe and we know this is that God knows us intimately he knows our hearts. He knows our minds. He knows our brains. And, and he created those things. He knows those intimately. He knows the impacts of, of all that has happened in our past and how it all weaves together to form who we are and how we think and how we see the world. And, and so bottom line, God cares about us, cares about our minds, about our mental health more than we can even fully grasp. And therefore, I think if we don't integrate that aspect of of faith and, and a relationship with God, we're also missing out. We're missing out on something God is wanting to do and hoping to do and trying to do in our lives. And so it's from that perspective we want to come today. But I think so many people have been tr- challenged to kind of figure out how do these two things weave together. And a lot of it is, is I think many people for many years have not seen a path. They've not seen a way forward. Um, too often in our culture, and I grew up this way, mental health was not talked about. You know, it was, it was hush hush. I remember having a distant relative that we would say today had a mental health crisis and the family, I remember as a kid said, don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. You know, and there was, it was just isolation. And I think that, that that is so often played into the church context, the Christian community context to where a lot of people that are struggling and wanting to get better and wanting to know how to mesh these two things have just never seen it modeled how do we how do we move forward? And so we've had several guests come on and tell their story and point kind of a pathway of, of how they've done this essentially. And today we wanted to invite uh, two really trusted professional LPC friends to join us and and not only bring their professional knowledge and expertise, but also bring their personal their their faith, their personal story, and also how they see their work impacting this and, and bring that to the table. So all that said, we're thrilled mm-hmm. you guys are here. And that's mm-hmm. an intro to today's topic. And we really want to hear from you. So we've got a handful of questions that we'd love just to ask and, and get your response on. So so diving in kind of at that, that idea of, of there's two sides of this and often two approaches to this. What do you see as the value maybe to, to both the spiritual nature of our mental health and how it impacts it? but also the value certainly of investing in mental health professional treatment that's beyond just maybe a Christian discipline of Bible reading, worship, church, et cetera. How would you guys respond to that? I mean, for me, one of the things that I see that's often not talked about explicitly enough for for me is that like you can do all the Bible reading 
and the spiritual disciplines that you want. But if you are missing like self-awareness, the ability to be personally insightful and just pay attention to what's going on in your body and your emotions and your thoughts, um, then I don't know like how deep we're going to get there, right? Like I can get to my behavior does not line up with the behavior in scripture, but if we start to change it, but are not successful at it, then that requires like deeper layers of, of self-awareness. And so I think oftentimes the spiritual disciplines are just like, just do it and it'll happen. And it's like, yeah, the Holy Spirit will do his part, but like our part is to become more deeply aware of ourselves so that we're in, we're like offering up deeper layers of ourselves to be formed. Well, and I think, you know, part of what we see as we're looking at individuals who are struggling is, you know, how much did their family allow for that kind of insight? Because some families don't, some families are, don't notice how Mm -hmm. you feel, don't notice, you know, what's going on, just do. So do the behavior, but don't Mm -hmm. notice anything like that. So I'm always thinking about where that came from. And so being able to uncover some of that, like, like Phoebe was saying, you know, we want to look and see what else, what's deeper. Yes, the Holy Spirit is at work, but we might need to figure out where did some of that come from? Where are some of those traits? Um, And so I think there's just so much value in being able to do that. And sometimes if you aren't self-aware or your family didn't let you be self-aware, having a professional, having somebody who's that objective person is the one that can just come alongside mm. and help look at some of that and say, oh, well, here's a way to do that. Here's here's a way to grow in that. Maybe I don't have that skill, but let's let's work on that. And when you acquire that skill, I think you bring it to your community, at your work, at your church, all the different places, and that starts to be demonstrated and modeled for the people in your community as well. For those that have struggled and maybe in that position of, you know, deep in the Christian life, striving to follow that, but they really find themselves, maybe they have a loved one that's really battling mental illness diagnosis, something along those lines. What would you say to them if they're really having a hard time embracing or even opening themselves up to the idea of professional help outside of the church setting? How would you guys, and both of you, I think, address that, speak into that, live that out daily. So how, how would you, what, what would you say to that person, maybe if they're having that, that wrestling match inside their soul and their mind? Well, people know uh, when they talk to me that that's probably going to be an option I'm going <laughs> to throw out there in, sure. in some ways. So there's two sides to that. If you know me and you know that this is what I do, obviously, you know, I value that. And I, and I think that there's a there can be a need for it. But I'm going to be careful because sometimes what people are walking through is not a mental health professional need. It's just support. It's, and I don't mean just, but I mean, it's support, it's community. It's, there's, there's other things that we can do besides using a professional that are valid and the Lord uses. But then that's when I, I start noticing maybe this other side that there might be something, you know, we're just really not functioning well, mm-hmm. Um, we're really struggling in day-to-day activity. So when I start hearing things like that, you know, that's when I'm going to start saying, hey, have you thought about, or it's been long standing and really nothing is changing mm-hmm. and they've tried this, that, and the other. Um, yeah, I'm going to gently bring that up in the conversation. Have you thought about, have you considered? And then a lot of times they'll be, 
well, I have, but I just haven't. And then we can have the second <laughs> conversation of, well, what's kind of keeping that? Or how might you move forward in that kind of thing? Or I know a place, you know, <laughs> I got people. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I um I, I can be a little cheeky sometimes and just be like, if you had a chronic illness, would you just never go to the doctor? And I know people who would probably say yes. Um, but ultimately, it's like, like, it, there's a level of how much is this going to interfere with my life? And so people have mm -hmm. to get to a level of like, this is really interfering my life before they will seek help or even have that conversation with the random therapist you know, in the foyer of church or wherever it happens to be. And so, yeah, so I like, I just kind of am like, if you were sick in any other way, if you were unwell in any other way, you would go get help. So congratulations for trying all the things that tells me that you actually want to get better. I think something I've really noticed in that area is with mental illness as opposed to like um, something chronic, um, something else chronic, like a heart disease or something like that, is that I feel like we, I feel like I know that I've tried to outrun it. I was like, okay, um, this isn't something that maybe I will need to go eventually see a doctor about or to eventually go see a counselor, therapist, certified, you know, all the things about. Um, and I also feel like that as much as we can compare it to something that is like a uh, heart disease, uh, any type of cancer or anything like that, that when we say this, that I feel like I'm really proud of Christians and churches as we're turning a corner and not going, mm, are you sure that's not just really on you? Is it really not? You know, and of course I would not dream of saying something like that to someone who had another type of illness, but I think if we can just continue to keep that conversation open to where you didn't mean to have this. Now, do we just get layered under a bunch of um, different diagnosis? No, but there are tools to be had so that that way, you know what you need in this situation instead of us always being told what we need. And so I feel like that that has been, you know, that it's slowly, slowly turning in our situation to where I go, you know what? Maybe this is being looked at differently than it was yeah. like five yeah. years Yeah, people ago. can't see us. You know, we're, we're shaking our heads in agreement with you because we're going like, yes, we are turning that corner, okay, right? Yes. I mean, we are turning mm -hmm. that corner in the mm -hmm. church of being able to say it's good to get help for our mental yes. health the same way that we would for our physical health. I agree with you. We're turning that corner mm -hmm. and I'm so thankful that we are um, so much less stigma, less, I mean, it's still out there and people are still struggling with it. There's pockets of it, but it's so much better than it's been in the past. Well, and, and maybe it is you, maybe you are your problem and that's okay too. <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. like sure. that's fine. Good point. Good point. You can still get help for that. Okay. Having said that, in my experience, it's been that uh, this next question just kind of leads me to my own dilemma, my own situation. And that would be um, when you see patients struggling with how their faith intersects with their mental health recovery, um, what does that look like? And what are some challenges that they face in connecting these two parts of their lives? And I think this can be something that can be touched on whether you're a Christian or not, because I feel like, you know, we all are seeking for that thing to be 
uh, filled in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, and everything, even if we don't have any idea who Jesus is. And for me, I think um, those two have intersected, but they've also been parallel because I haven't let the spiritual aspect come over into the mental health area. And I cannot think of a time when I've been more miserable than when those two are parallel and I've acted as if those two don't go together, even though I'm a child of God. Any area that I don't let God shine his light on is a, an area of great defect. And so when it has to do with my mind and where the Lord pours all that information into my mind, my heart and everything, when I try to keep those two parallel, that does not work out for me. And I can just speak for myself, but what do y'all think? What does that look like when, when you have someone struggling with their faith, intersecting their mental health journey? I mean, sometimes I see it like, like yours where someone is trying to, you know, get all the right information, but not let it touch their hearts. Or Mm -hmm. they're like worried that if they kind of pull in the good psychological information into their spiritual life, that that'll somehow like tainted or whatever. And I'm like, man, the Lord, the Lord wants to renew our minds. The Lord wants to redeem us holistically. And so there's not a space where those things don't intersect. And so to me, like the goal of life is to become ever more integrated. And that integration is towards becoming like Jesus. And so Anytime we're, we're kind of, I think sometimes we have to compartmentalize things out to kind of get a good look at it. But if we're not bringing it all back together, then like you said, we're just going to be like disjointed and that just, you feel out of joint, just like you would if an actual joint was out of place. So I think about it when, you know, in reference to certain clients that I've worked with, those who their faith touches every area of their life. You know, it's not just I'm, I'm living a Christian life on Sunday, or, you know, if I'm at a church thing, but if really my faith is about everything that I do, not in a, in an unhealthy, super spiritual way, where that's my out, where I don't make a decision, oh, I'm going to pray about it and see what the Lord says. And I don't mean that because there can be a toxic way that people do that. But I mean, like, truly, I mean, what the Lord has to say about the way I do friendships or the way I spend my money or the way that I parent my kids or, you know, what way I'm a good citizen mm-hmm. or whatever it means that the, that the Lord has a say in that. I find that those people are more open when we're talking about their therapy, too, because they can say, like, I, I, I want to know what the Lord has to say about this or I'm interested in what that looks like. But. I find that people who their faith doesn't seem to touch those other areas of their life. It's more, I believe in God. I believe Jesus. He's my savior. But there's not like this real daily, he's in my business. They, I think they do have a harder time with when we're looking at things in session of how how would the Lord have anything to do with that? Or how would the Holy Spirit have anything to do? That? How would his word have anything to do? They just haven't thought about that. You know, it's because they're not used to maybe bringing that into other areas of their life. That's where we get to have, if people want their faith integrated, that's where it's so exciting that we get to be that person because we, we do label ourselves right. as a Christian practice if that's what people want. And so we do get to kind of give some 
guidance in that area? You know, have you thought about this first or have you thought about praying and asking God about that? Or what does that look like? Um, when I think about clients like that, I can kind of see how they live that out in their life already. And so that kind of gives me an idea of where we might maybe interact and guide in that way. Having said that, have you seen perceptions of mental illness and mental health treatment within the church and Christian community change during your career as therapist? I, I hope oh, so. Yeah. Um, we kind of touched on that a minute ago, but what do y'all think? I think Brenda should go first because I've been in practice for like 10 years. Phoebe's saying I'm old. <laughs> That's a long time. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> you are about to be no, a grandma, absolutely. which I am only uh, jealous yeah. of. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I'm so excited that I say I can see that change. Um, mm -hmm. When I got, and so I'm going to go to this. When I was thinking about doing Christian counseling, there was a well-known evangelist that was very much speaking out against, you know, psychology. And, and, but I remember knowing this was what I was supposed to do. And, and it was so, it was really hard for me. Now, thankfully, you know, my, my mom, my family was supportive of that, but you know, this person had a lot of, a lot of influence and uh, thankfully, you know, DBU, other schools, there were still Christian schools that were saying, you know, we believe we can integrate psychology and I'm so thankful for that. But I remember that and it was such a big deal. So now to fast forward from that, I mean, that person, I mean, that is not the norm where we've got people with national platforms speaking out against psychology in that mm -hmm. way. They might still say, hey, be careful. You know, they might still say, you know, seek out somebody if you can that's, you know, sharing your faith, but just really denouncing it. We don't even have that. So I think we've seen that trickle down with just so many more people saying this is valid. This can be integrated. And, and like, you know, one of the books that I had to read at DBU was, you know, all truth is God's truth. So if it's true, right. Yes. I loved that book. It's, it just was so formational for me. Yeah. That, I mean, it, it's just mm -hmm. true. And so we've begun to, we have seen over the years and we're still seeing it again. That's part of that decrease in stigma where people are just even the more holistic, the idea that God can touch all these areas. He can be Lord over all these areas. He's in it. He's in it. He's intimately in it. If we let him be, he's got something to say and he can do amazing things if we let him mm -hmm. with whatever it is. And so I'm excited. You can tell I'm excited because I see it. I, I can mm -hmm. see the difference from where I started to where I am now. Well, and Brenda, follow up to that for you, you know, and Phoebe, I certainly want you to answer this question too, but part of the model of your practice, correct me if I'm wrong, is you partner with local churches, even if it's just for space mm -hmm. to use for yeah. counseling sessions. And I'm wondering, have you even seen a greater openness to that? You know, when you first started that, was that kind of this, this novel idea you were really having to convince churches and pastors and church leaders on? Has that changed as where there's an openness to that? Or, or well, what does that and look I think like? because that, that model was not mine, you know, I saw that, uh, before me, when I was going through my practicums and internships, someone else had already developed that. And so that's what I think you can even see the progression there, you know, because that was something that was presented to me while I was at the end of my master's program. So already it was that churches were recognizing the need and they were saying, we know there's a need. So if we 
if we're going to refer somebody, we'd rather it be somebody we already know, that we know is a believer, that we know that we can trust, and and partnering with those churches in that way. So I saw it, and then just instead of trying to recreate the wheel, said, hey, this works for me too. Let's mm. just keep up with that. And a lot of times, you know, I can see that over the years when I contact churches and, you know, say, would would you be interested in maybe being one of our locations or, or what have you? I can see a difference now. I mean, so here's something. There are some churches who immediately they're on it. And they're like, yes, we are so excited to have this as an option. And then there's still some churches who are like, mm-hmm. no, we're good. And so I can mm-hmm. see the difference, right? I mean, because we, we see that in the clients and the people that we know. There's still some churches who are a little slow with that. But yes, there's still so many who are right there and they say, we know we need this and we know this helps our people. And and even so many pastors who will talk from the pulpit oh, about yeah. their own counseling experience, that's helped tremendously. I like, whenever I look back on it, um, I see even like at the church that I went to in college, like we had a, a Christian counselor who rented space from one of our buildings. Uh, and had, you know, like a a deal with the church for seeing uh, people who, uh, who were part of our congregation. So, uh, but I also think like, gosh, in 2008, I think that was pretty cutting edge, honestly. Uh, and I just didn't realize it because I just was coming of age as this was like, I think, gaining momentum. So I look back and I think, wow, I think I just was in the right moment it, to be in this profession uh, as someone who cares deeply about the work of integration. And so, yeah. And like I, my internship was at a church with a fully robust counseling uh, team. They're building, they're building an actual building right now for their counseling center. And so just like, you know, and, and so I think what's great about when churches go, you know, kind of like what you've encountered, Brenda go, Oh yeah. Like we would love this. We would, we would love to have somebody who, when we have gone past our um, skills as pastors to care for people deeply, we would love to have somebody just be like, and down the hall, you know? Um, and and what's great about that is that I think churches can immediately see the difference in their people. Um, and I think that when you see people be healed of things that they have dealt with for a long time, or you see them be cared for deeply in moments of grief and sorrow and suffering, or you see people who are just like buoyed to carry the burden that they're going to carry for the rest of their life. Cause not everything gets yeah. healed on yeah. the side of heaven. Yeah. yeah. Then you're like, I, I don't think you can see that and be like, oh, that's not worth our time and space and money, you know, or uh, anything like that. And also I would say too, like most of the teachers that I listen to uh, talk really openly about their experiences in therapy. (laughs) And I think that's great because I think it's one thing to be like, you should go to therapy. And it's a totally different thing to be like, let me tell you about how I got past my stuff in therapy. I really respect that in a therapist when they will say not to burden me or anything like that, but just to go, you know, I go to counseling as well and it really has benefited me so that I can come and Mm -hmm. serve me. And I, it just makes me feel like they believe in what they do. It's not just, um, a one-sided thing that they wouldn't ever need, but yet they're helping, you know, provide for that need for someone else. So yeah. Yeah. Very good. Absolutely. God bless the therapist who see a therapist. (laughs) 
Yes. Are you one of those therapists, Phoebe? I have been, but my therapist has started getting a reputation for seeing therapists because she's amazing. Mm -hmm. As we talk about the progress that's been made, without naming names, uh, what are some ways maybe you still would want to see change from the way the church or the Christian community particularly approaches, supports, embraces mental health treatment? I think I would love to see small groups, community groups be, be that first place that people go to, uh, before anything else Mm -hmm. that you, that everybody would have a community where you're like, I feel like I can be vulnerable with these people and that we will have done our own work well enough to receive other people's vulnerability. Uh, cause we talk a lot about like being vulnerable in the church, but we don't exactly talk about like, how do we receive other people's vulnerability? And, and those are just skills, right? Like how do I do reflective listening and, um, how do I keep control of my face when people are telling me things that are shocking or whatever? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think that there are just, I just see like some, some skills from therapy that we could start to give to the church so that like people can just be the healing force and agent in other people's lives. So that like Brenda, what you said, I think early on was like, not everybody needs a therapist, but everybody does need good community. Um, and so to, to kind of just equip com- smaller communities to, to be that place of healing for other people, I would really love to see that. And I think that's so important because Stacey, you said even the other day, you were saying you've had settings to where you know, you've maybe talked about openly depression and the response you get is, is probably not ill-intentioned, but it's ill-equipped to where the people that are in that group responding, I think you used the word, it's just crickets, right? It's, it, can, it can actually reinforce shame. It can, mm-hmm. it can reinforce isolation. Mm-hmm. The exact opposites that, that the goal of community really should be and is designed to be in our lives. And so I think that, and so often, Phoebe, I've thought, you know, community, one of the great benefits of community is that it puts into practice the things that are, that, that are truths about God that sometimes, you know, are hard to maybe fully, fully understand or fully feel. Maybe it's a better way to say it. I feel the love of God because I feel the love of other people in my life. I feel God's forgiveness when somebody else forgives me. And in the same way, I think with mental health, we feel acceptance. We feel grace instead of shame. Often through the context of other people, it's God's, ultimately it's God's feeling and God's belief and God's gift to us. But we, we, we tangibleize that. If that's even the right word. We make it tangible it through other people and through the context of community. So I think mm-hmm. that's such an important thing that we all need to work on and learn for sure. Well, and something I've been praying for a long time, sometimes out of absolute frustration, sometimes out of loneliness. It's just, God, I'm going to have courage and go to church on Sunday morning, knowing my mind is screaming. And when I get there, if it's the loneliest place I go all week, that's not okay. And so when I'm greeted with people and God's called me to maybe start the conversation, whether it be in our community group or anything like that. I'm, I'm all for that. 
but the like I was saying the other day on a podcast, it was just like you know the the re- expressions and the people's faces and everything. I think are starting to turn some, and that goes back to where I think we are becoming, you know, more responsive in different things. But I am super super sensitive to that, and just knowing when somebody wants me to stop talking about it because they're uncomfortable, not even thinking about how much courage it took for me to even walk through those doors that morning. Um, even though I've been a member at a church or a congregation, a community for a long time. You know, I think, I mean, it's one of those things where we have an awareness that really most people are doing the best they can at any given time. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. and, and even when they give a really dumb response or a really hurtful response, it wasn't their intent. You know, they, they did not wake up that morning and say, I really hope I offend somebody or hurt somebody today. You know, there's gotta be grace on both sides. They're they're doing the best. So what I, I would love is for there to be, you know, an increase in confidence, but then also an increase in saying, I don't have to be good at all these conversations. You know, like I want to be better at having these conversations and supporting people, but I also want to recognize that I can't be everything for everybody because I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's both. So we want the community to, to know more so that they don't have this shocked face or say something that's really shameful to somebody when a person is vulnerable, but then they also don't take on this great responsibility of, oh my gosh, what do I say now? How do I fix it? Because you are not going to know how to fix it. So many times we're in session and we don't know how to fix it, you know? And so we have to have this freedom of just being with you in the moment of that pain because we might not be able to, mm-hmm. to fix any of it. We're just validating it and, and being with you in it. So I also see that. It's like they don't know what to do, but if they can just go on the side of, I care that you feel that way. So I would just want to equip people right. to say, just care that you, just care, just care, just care that that's where mm-hmm. they are. But also don't you walk home thinking you're supposed to fix that and have all the responsibility for it either. Cause, that's right. cause you can't, that's, that's right. too heavy for you too. It's kind of like this balance. And I think that's why, yes, I'm sorry. No, that it's just a balance we want for people. Well, and I think that's why it's important to um, educate the body of mm-hmm. Christ because one of the biggest ministries people can have with me and that hopefully I have modeled for other people unknowingly even is the ministry of being able to sit with me until that wave of fear and desperation washes over me because it will. But sometimes I just need somebody to sit with me and I've sat with many people at church until that does happen and then get them to somebody possibly who can decide with them what the next plan needs to be. Yeah, I I definitely respect the fact that everybody cannot be made in order to fix that problem. We need to be able to be together and know without a doubt that God's given us all different giftings. And if that's, you know, not your gifting, well, we can sure sit together until God shows us the next step. And so there is a huge ministry in not fixing as well. Brendan, Phoebe, we've, we've touched on this, I think, a little bit, and you certainly have in some of your responses already. But in your practice, and I think both your practices have a lot of similarities, and maybe certainly there's some things that are unique there in your your areas of focus, but how, how would you say you connect your personal faith to your practice as an LPC? Well, I mean, I think mine is very, it's, it's basic. It's just foundational. I mean, the Holy Spirit lives within me, so the Holy Spirit is with me no matter where I am. He's with me in every session, mm-hmm. and so regardless of whether I'm with somebody who wants to integrate faith or not, in some way faith is integrated because I'm there. 
you know, the Holy Spirit leads how I think. He, he, he leads me in what I'm going to do next, how I respond to what they say or thoughts that pop into my head. So he's there and he's leading. To what degree and what that looks like is always going to be different depending on this client, what they want, how much of that they want. And I'm going to be sensitive to them and their needs in that way and, and respectful mm-hmm. of that. But, you know, for me, it might be that, you know, when I'm, when I'm having sessions at, at the beginning of my day or if it's evening or whatever, um, I mean, I do pray. I pray that the Lord guides me and he gives me wisdom and that he shows me what that person needs and that the Lord is, is doing the healing that that person needs. So I, I pray for them. That's so basic, but I pray for them. And then I try just as in my own walk, obviously, um, that I'm, you know, that, that I'm in the word or that, but that I'm, I'm hearing things that I'm growing because if, if I'm growing personally, you know, if, if my faith is impacting my own personal life, again, I just think that that allows for me to be open to what the Lord may want to do in that session for that person. So it's just very, very basic in that way. Maybe how, how would you answer well, that? Well, I'm glad Brenda went first because uh, she articulated what I was like jumbly feeling in my head. <laughs> and so <laughs> yes to all that. And I would add for me, knowing that like I am not the ultimate healer, like I, I'm an agent of that. I bring that um, knowledge and understanding and and everything to people. I think I bring like attunement to the room and things like that, but I, it's ultimately not my responsibility to be the, the healing force completely in their life. And so, uh, that's a huge, uh, solace to me because a huge part of therapy is like not seeing wins, um, for a long time or things that you're like, yes, this is totally it. Right. I think they're like small wins that kind of build over time. And you're like, oh my gosh, did you realize that this time last year, this is where you were. And now we're hitting that same anniversary and like, you're so much better. Um, so, uh, for, for someone who, you know, was raised in kind of instant gratification culture, it's, that's like one really good for my own formation to like watch the slow journey of healing for people, but two to, when I'm discouraged to be like, it's ultimately not my job. Like if I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to bring, then I can, I can let go and know that God has a plan for them and, and he's going to make that happen. I appreciate that. That is incredibly insightful. And I think just a lot of depth that, that we see both of you bringing to those you, you work with and serve kind of a follow up to that. And this was something I was just curious about, but and I've, Certainly known Brenda, we've been friends for many, many years, and Phoebe, we know each other for a few years, but what led you to the decision to become a therapist? I had to pick a minor. Um, when I, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I really did though. Like I, uh, I had a communication studies, uh, bachelor's degree and I had to pick a minor and I had some other things in mind and they just for various reasons, weren't going to work out. So I picked counseling and uh, had a professor that uh, was specifically let us know she was not a Christian. <laughs> and, but I think the Lord really used her uh, to to encourage me in skills and gifts that I just had no idea that I had for this specific um, area. 
now it makes sense to me. My dad likes to joke that I have two degrees in talking to people, which is not untrue. I'm like, well, yeah, of course, like I have a job where I professionally talk to other people and have intimate conversations. (laughs) I've loved that for my whole life. (laughs) When I was in junior high-ish, there was a, a really popular sitcom. I remember watching it and thinking, you know, that this family was healthy, which is, is odd. I know as a junior high student going, these people are healthy, but I remember going, oh, wow, not everybody, I'm a geek. It's true. I was like, not everybody knows how to do that. I want to help people do that. And that, that really was like this realization. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so that just led to uh, pursuing, pursuing this kind of degree. So really uh, laser focus, knowing that this was what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. But it's also on the flip side, you know, with people listening and thinking, oh, wow, you know, I didn't know, or, you know, I don't know if God's leading me because I have to just choose this. You know, I've had so many people who later in life, this is their second or even third career, or they went back when they were, you know, they had their mm-hmm. grandkids and stuff. And it is so exciting to see that no matter whether it was from the get-go like me or they kind of stumbled in it, you know, like I had to choose this, like Phoebe, or whether it was late, late in life, all of those things, those gifts and talents and experiences that they had, if God did bring them to it, he just has orchestrated it so beautifully. And you can see how it works and how he uh, planned that and used it to be able to work with people where they are at that time. It's really beautiful. I ended up at seminary because I wanted to go to seminary, but I had discovered that I wanted to be a therapist and my husband like Googled it, which is the most Jeff sentence I can say is that he Googled something Um, and was like, hey, there's this seminary in Kansas City that does that. We should go visit it as an engaged couple, (laughs) you know, like we went the next year and and visited and uh, met the head of the program there. And he was just such a wonderful man. But Brenda, to your point, like if we had 10 minutes for me to tell a story, it would be so much of like, well, I just happened to this and like just God's providential hand that I look back and it's like, oh, I, you know, like I went into college wanting to be a news anchor. You would have been good at that too, but we're thankful you're a therapist. That's right. (laughs) Well, and I can see, I mean, just in both your lives, obviously, Phoebe, you joked about your dad, you know, saying, oh, so you have a job or you talk professionally to people. But, but you know, I can see in both of you, certainly it's beautiful how those gifts have, have come to the table and have, because you've developed them, they've grown, but also there are some inherent things in you that, that were giftings that you've been able to capture and put to practice. And, and Brenda, we've been friends since we were 18. And I think back to you know, I'm, I'm going to have lunch next week with David Jost. And I think about the the times in the the DBU cafeteria where you probably sat listening to David and I commiserate about something. And uh, you're such a great listener. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, you know, for both of us, even before Stacy and I were dating, you had a, a friend role in both of our lives. And I think that was really impactful. And we see that and just how how that has flourished. And our, our pastor recently said something about a seed. And he said, you know, there is, there is infinite, almost infinite power in this one seed. If this seed was allowed to grow over the course of time, this seed could, could fill the entire earth with this plant. And I think you guys have both planted seeds that have just flourished and grown and, and who knows all the fruit that is even today being produced because of the investment of your lives. Something that I'm asked so often is, well, 
in treatment and everything um, is if God loves me so much, why do I have this? Why did the things even happen in order to get me to this place to where I need to be in treatment? And I'm so messed up how you're talking about how God loves me. And I know this can go down a big, big, big spiral, but I also know that, you know, in my own personal life, that when I wrestle with that question of God, I know you love me. I know you died on the cross for me. If I was the only one here, you'd wouldn't have done that for me. And it's, I mean, I believe that with all that I am, but I also know that my mind can scream and it can hurt so bad. And the last thing on my mind that's absolutely almost makes me sick to think of is eating. And, and yet God knew I was going to experience these things here on earth. He knew I was going to experience them. But as I am not full circle, but I'm coming around the corner slowly, um, I'm also seeing a God that says, Stacy, more important than anything else in your life is your relationship with me. And when I look at this question and I say, um, if God truly loves me, why is there this pain? And I want to answer that for myself before I pass that on to y'all. The main thing that he is showing me is that he doesn't want me just to survive with mental illness. He wants me to thrive because of him. And I didn't come to that overnight. This has been a 30 plus year journey for me. Um, and a lot of signs were probably shown when I was even in elementary school and on up from there. And it's just become more and more intense. Um, and I just know myself without the Lord. And I know that I would not, and I will say this statement very clearly to those you're listening, I would not be here without the Lord and the different people and tools that he has put into my life in order to help me be here. How do I know that? I do not make choices that point in the direction of me living. Having said those things, um, I, I get why people ask that question. Um, in mental illness or anything, but I know mental illness. I don't know the other things. And I'll tell you, when I've been sitting in the bathroom floor holding a tool before going, do I cut? Do I not? What will that look like? What What are the repercussions? What are the consequences and all that kind of stuff? And I can get into that tunnel vision. I can honestly at different times go, God, where are you? Where are you? And I can mean it in that moment with all my heart. And I want to answer that. God's there with me because I'm a child of his. It breaks his heart because of all the things that have led me to get to that point in my bathroom floor, or if I'm, I don't ever want to give any ideas of what my past has looked like as far as choices I've made. This is not to empower you and trigger you. This is to say, this is how real God is in my life. But when I've sat in those moments and he has said to me, Stacy, I saw, I know how you got here but I'm not going anywhere. And I want you to know I've protected you for more than you could ever imagine. And I'm going to continue to do that. Get up and go be with people who are safe for you to be with. Make the next right choice because I'm here to help you do that. And when I do not obey those, I never, ever win. I just want to be real black and white about that because even though I'm not a professional, I have lived this for so, so long. And I've also felt like, you know, God, yeah, where are you? This is a punishment. I can't go on vacation and leave my mind at home. And all the consequences and all the different things that are going through that mind, my mind in that. 
But I do know this without a doubt, that the God who created you, who are listening, is the same God who created me, and then he made you on purpose, and he made you for a purpose, and it's his purpose. But how do I get to that point? I've chosen to submit to him, and I have to do that all day, every day, or my days don't work out. It's very, very black and white. As gray as it can be sometimes, that is very black and white in my life. And so I know that if that's the truth about me, and I didn't just, you know, conjure that up in my mind, that is in scripture, then I know he did that for you. So I understand the wrestling and the dilemma, but let me make it super simple for you in this moment. God, because he created you, desires for you to be here. He is the giver of life, and he is the one who is the taker of life. And so I've had to kind of take that wrestling off of my plate, for lack of a better word, because I do not make good decisions for myself consistently. And so when I take that choice off of the plate for myself and I say, God, this cannot continue to be a contemplation. Lead me and guide me to where you want me to be so that that way I can get the help I need to be. So that becomes less a part of my vocabulary and living becomes more because you want me here. And I know you'll be faithful to show me why I'm here and walk that out with you. That's what my day looks like. I'm so tired of the wrestling. It's exhausting. And for me to just accept that God truly loves me and encourage you to do the same in your mental illness, in your mental health, in your mental suffering, it's literally suffering to just close down some of those options and get the help that you need is why we're here. That's why we pray for you. We want to lead you correctly in a good, healthy way. But for some of you, it's a life and death way. And we want to say to you, please, please know that God sees, he saw, and he's here for you. And he's protecting you beyond what you could ever imagine. Obey him so that you can accept that protection from him. It'll help your load be a lot lighter. It really will. What do y'all see in that um, when you have clients and patients come to you and you know they're wrestling with this and then you know that they could even be angry with God. I get angry with God all the time and he can take it, but I do not stay there as long as I used to, <laughs> I guess I should say. I think everybody does have to struggle with that. Everybody's had hurts or suffering or some type of um, devastating thing or devastating season and we all are going to have a time of questioning and wrestling. Um, mm -hmm. So part of what obviously we do as a clinician is just, we're just there with people while they're struggling and wrestling with that and letting them know it's normal mm -hmm. to do that and it's okay to do that. And we'll be with them as they get through it. I've had to learn from being, you know, a young therapist and, and young in the field, even not just young in age, but young in the field that, that it's, it's really not my job to, def, you know, to defend God and why he did or what he does. Um, that's, that's kind of a, I think you'll lose if you try to do that. <laughs> but um, because the wrestling is theirs, all I can tell them is it's valid. And I think my own times of wrestling or struggling, you know, have been valid and that it's okay to do that. But, uh, but God's going to be with them as they walk through that. 
I mean, there's obviously other things if they ask me certain questions or they want to look at verses or I can talk about, you know, hurt and pain was never God's original plan for us. I mean, I mean, I can answer some questions like that, but more than not, probably where I'm going to lean is just that, yeah, it makes sense that you have those questions and, and they matter and they're valid and I can help you walk through some of those, but, um, I'm not going to try too much to defend God because I'm not a theologian and I can't go deep into all of that, Mm -hmm. but I can let them know that it's normal that they're questioning and he loves them in the midst of Mm -hmm. the questioning. He loves them in the midst of that and he's with them as they struggle. Yeah. I mean, yes to all of that as well. Uh, And I, I think so much of our Western culture forms us in a way that says you can buy a product, you can make enough money, you can know all the right people in a way that you can avoid most suffering in life. And a lot of people with means and privilege can, like we can orchestrate our lives around a lot of suffering. And so when it does inevitably come, we have not gone through enough little sufferings to know what to do. And I think like for me personally, like felt really sideswiped, like the first time something really terrible happened to me. And what I learned through that was that like, there were a lot of uh, beliefs that I had about God and about how he wanted to treat me that were not actually right. If you had asked me before, like, Hey, do you think that God is good to you because your life is good? I would have been like, no, God is good to everybody. And then suffering happened. And I was like, well, God doesn't feel good to me. And what that suffering revealed was where I was uh, wrong about God, you know, because effectively I did believe that God was good because good things happened to me. Cause when a bad thing happened to me, I didn't, that didn't feel true anymore. And so I think too, like giving purpose to suffering is that like, like we have to know that the suffering has a purpose to form us to become more dependent on God and to become more integrated with the Holy spirit and to be more spirit led. And, uh, I wish there was a different answer to that. I would love for a plan B to becoming more like God that did not involve suffering. That would be my, my choice, but it's, that's, I just don't think that's true. And, and I don't know that the church always paints a compelling vision for the, the purpose and, um, reasons for suffering, but our culture definitely paints a compelling picture of how we can avoid suffering at all costs. We are so appreciative of, mm-hmm. and the wisdom today and the insight and the experience. Mm-hmm. And I think too, beyond that, it's, it's, we know you both and we know your hearts and there is such a depth of mm-hmm. care and love for mm-hmm. people. And I think that that comes through in everything you do. And we thank you for sharing that. And I think that shines through your words today in this podcast. As we wrap up today, we'd love to ask each of our guests this question. We, our, our purpose is to help people find hope, to encourage them, to to point to to hope in, in their journey. And so we just love to ask, hey, what's giving you hope today? And that's rather open-ended. So we want to leave that open-ended so you can pick from any number of areas to share that from. But, but Brenda, let's start with you and then maybe Phoebe, if you'd also share just Hey, what's giving you hope today? So as a small business owner, you know that there's some things that um, are not your jam, right? So the counseling Mm -hmm. part of it, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm good. Supervising people, Mm -hmm. awesome. 
But some of the business mm-hmm. aspects, I'm just, I flat out stink at them. I've gotten better, you know, over the 15 years mm-hmm. that I've had the business, but I'm still <laughs> not great at it. And this is tax season. So it's a lot of yeah. getting stuff together and handing mm-hmm. things off to, you know, the CPA that I do have. And and I made some mistakes the other day. I mean, they're they're fixable and it's not a big deal, but it's just, it's such a stressful time. And I made these mistakes and I was, yeah. I was praying and I was kind of stressed about some of it. And then uh, something else happened where I had made a mistake in, in one of my people that had gotten back to me, you know, checking the amounts that they had been paid this year. Um, they told mm-hmm. me that I had given them under, like I had told them I didn't pay them as much as I did. And, and I just thought, uh, one, uh, you know, hate making mistakes like that. But I thought, Lord, thank you. Thank you for people that, that you've given to, to work alongside me who are honest about saying, no, actually you paid me more, you know, don't report this. You, you paid me mm-hmm. more than this. And, and I just thought mm-hmm. that is such a beautiful way. I started crying because I was like, this is just such a way of you saying, I got you, I got you, you know, I'm even surrounding you. So even in the midst of making a mistake, you know, with things that you're not good at, and making a mistake, and I just scared everybody that I, about, you know, all the business people who might be, I don't know who listen to this. They're like, why is this lady running a business? She stinks. But that, that the Lord is Not just saying, even. you know, I, I got you. I'm going to help you through. And I've got people around you. And I just thought it really, it gave me hope. I was like, this is, this is it. This is it. This is even in the midst of the places where we have a weak area the Lord is still with me. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to get you through tax season, Brent. it's going to be okay. One of the things that makes me more stressed yeah. than anything. Uh, I was like, thank you, Lord. So that, that gives me hope. I'm going to make mm-hmm. it through tax season. <laughs> okay. Phoebe, what do you think? Well, I kind of had two things. Um, one is uh, our community group is just, uh, man, I, like I could not have done the last couple of years without them especially. And so, um, and, and I through like really high highs and really low lows, like, um, just to have a place where like, I know every other week, like I just get to go and, and hold others and be held, um, in, in just complete honesty and vulnerability. And so, um, I'm just super thankful for them. Um, and, and it gives me hope too, because, um, I think sometimes when you're in the middle of your own suffering, it can be really hard, um, to, to, for God to feel good and for things to feel beautiful. Um, but when you've been with a group of people for as long as I have with some of them, you also see that like, um, if they can go through that thing and still have hope and believe in the goodness of God, then like I can too. Um, and it also makes me honestly less scared knowing that I will go through a season of suffering myself and knowing that like I will have this community that will hold me um and so I think that that gives me a lot of hope and then um just as a practice that I've picked up lately like I'm just I've been getting up in the morning and I sit in my bed because if I go literally any other place in my house, someone will wake up or the dog will wake up or whatever. So I just sit in my bed, but I've just been reading a Psalm and and doing some like kind of true meditation, not study. Um, And that switch from study to meditation has just been so life-giving to me. Amazing. And you know, I know I wasn't part of the hope thing as far as thank you. Um, I 
am just so thankful that we have people who take what God has gifted them with. And even though your work, y'all work so, so hard. I mean, I mean, the gifting just being that you do have minds that will work in this way and that they can be continued trained, continuously trained in order to um, help us that I know that there, there is hope for people out there that, that have the, have a mind that hurts and, um, or have been through things that they feel like they'll never make it through. I'm just so encouraged by y'all. I really am. I realize that you can't click with everyone, every single person that comes into your office, but man, I just, I'm just so thankful that y'all are out there and that y'all are taking this in a way that God lets you do this instead of I got to show up at my job. You know, I can tell with both of your hearts that, that you really are in this. And I'm just so thankful for that because there've been times where, you know, perhaps people didn't feel the same way and that's understandable too, but thank y'all so much for all that you give and give and give in order to help people like me. Not that I'm like, you know, but you know what I mean? Um, be able to be a mom and a wife and a follower of Christ and show up for life when, when everything in me says not to, um, thank y'all for that. There's, there's a verse in the book of Ephesians chapter four, I believe it's verse 29 that talks about the power of our words and let your words be encouraging. And, and one translation of that actually uses the phrase, may they be instruments of grace in others' lives. And I've always loved that phrase and thought about how our words, our encouragement, our, our, uh, our hope can be instruments of grace. And, and I see that in both of you, that you are instruments of grace as professionals. I mean, just very delicately, but very skillfully taking knowledge, taking truth, taking just years of experience in, and in, in doing in some ways surgery, surgery for people to navigate their, their mental and emotional traumas and past and, and deal with those things. And so, yeah, thank you guys for being instruments of grace. And, and we're so thankful that you're bringing that heart and that gift to speak out loud and to our desire to bring hope and encouragement to others and to what they're walking through. And, and ultimately our goal is to provide a resource that in many ways, Stacy and I, as we began this journey many years ago, wish we would have had. And if there's a way we can just turn around and, and, and point the way to somebody else, that's what we hope to do. And, right. and thank you for joining us in that mission. That's right. Well, as we wrap up today, um, and we're so thankful for you as our listeners for being a part of this, mm-hmm. we have been diving deep in this topic over the last few episodes, and we're going to continue on with this in our next episode. And we just appreciate you um, listening and whether it be one of these past recent episodes or going back and, and listening to something maybe a year or two ago, even we invite you to check out kind of the library of resources that we feel speak out loud offers through the podcast. And the podcast, as you've probably found it today is available on Apple, on Spotify, on most of your podcast players. So we'd love for you to, to keep listening, but also to go back and check out one of some of those resources may be, and really could be something helpful to you, a friend or a loved one. Some of you already know this, but Stacy has written a book. It's called You Are Worth Saving Letters of Hope from a Desperate Heart. And if you have not checked that out yet, we invite you to get a copy. It's available via download on Audible, 
So there's an audiobook version of that where Stacy's the narrator. You can also buy the book on Amazon. It's the easiest way to find it. Uh, you can search for Stacy's the author. Or you can just search by title. You are worth saving. Letters of hope from a desperate heart, and it's a powerful story of Stacy's journey of things she's learned along the way, and she really connects that to you, the reader. And we'd love for you to check that out. And another one of our more recent resources we've been able to produce. If you've not found this yet, we would love for you to visit and and download this. It's free to you on the YouVersion Bible app. We were able to create a, a, a Bible reading plan, which is essentially a five-day devotional. We share scriptures which have been meaningful to us in many ways, carried us through a significant part of these last few years in our journey together through mental illness, but also then share a devotional that Stacy or I have written uh, for that day. It's five days long. It's free to you. The title of that is Hope for Those Struggling with Mental Health. So you can just search for that, and you should be able to find that. But but go to the YouVersion Bible app and, and track that down, and we'd love for you to download it and follow along for the next five days and be a part of that. If you do not follow us on our socials, please do that. Um, on Instagram and Facebook, it's all under Speak Out Loud, and our website is um, super helpful. It's a one-stop shop. So if you go on there and you want to find anything out, please do that. And then if you have questions after that, please do contact us, DM us, whatever you'd like to do. Please do not assume that just because you have someone in your life that struggles mentally, that they know about us. Please be the hands and feet of Jesus. We can only reach so far. And so we would love for you to go on there and and follow. When we put things out, please comment. We love comments. We, we want to answer them. And if you want that to be done as, as a DM format, we can do that so that that way you don't feel like the things that you share are in front of everyone, even though we've chosen to be able to do that on our end. So anyway, please do that. I think that's it. Um, We love you guys, and we're so blessed to have you come along our journey as we desire to do that with you. No one should have to face this alone, and um, we want to get better with you. So, um, yeah. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you, Phoebe. Thank you so much. Love Love you guys. Bye. uh, Appreciate y'all. Till the next time, we're out for the Speak Out Loud podcast.